Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stangy of Stangy Law Firm, PC. Stangy Law Firm is a multi-state family law firm. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stangy. Welcome to Family Law Talk. We have an exciting episode today. The title of the episode is What Are Business Records, Affidavits, and Divorce and Family Law Matters? And as a follow-up to the episode today, go on over to our blog, familylawheadquarters.com, and check out our article, which is titled, What is a Business Records Affidavit? And you can read that as a follow-up to the episode today. The date of that article is September 26, 2023. So definitely read that as a follow-up to the episode today. But let's go ahead and jump in to the topic itself. And look, I have to tell you out of the gates, this, this topic is kind of granular. It's kind of in the weeds in terms of evidence. And for a lot of parties, um, they might not understand this concept at all. But it's important if you're going through a divorce or family law matter to get this generally. Because if you get this in a general sense, you're going to have a better understanding of why it is maybe your attorney's doing what they're doing in, in terms of getting records and trying to admit records into court. And I think this greater understanding is a good thing for clients, at least to kind of understand it on a basic level. But look, uh, to get into it and to the specifics, there are what are called business records. And, and business records can be all kinds of things from an evidentiary standpoint in a divorce or family law matter. It could be employment records could be medical records, could be records from a school, uh, maybe investment account records, retirement account records, it could be bank records, and, and really a litany of other type of records out there as well. But in a nutshell, business records are records that a business creates and, and assembles as part of their really ordinary course of, of work throughout the day, right? Lots of businesses just making and creating records, and it's just part of what they do in terms of their jobs. But the truth is these records can be important in a divorce or family law manner, okay? So it could impact child custody, take school records or medical records involving the kids. In terms of child support or spousal support, bank records could be important. Employment records could be important. It could show what a party's income is. And so there could be relevance there. In terms of dividing property and debt, I mean, records like investment accounts, retirement accounts, mortgage statements, I mean, you name it, credit card statements, all of these records could have relevance in terms of the division of property and debt, okay? So business records are important, and you kind of have to accept that is sort of the general premise to really understand what we're talking about here. But business records are important. They can have an impact on a case. And any attorney who's doing their job and is being competent and diligent is likely to, to assemble various types of business records in the course of a divorce or family law uh, matter, okay? So very important to know that. In terms of how attorneys get these records, how parties can get these records, look, there can be some variance. Every situation can be a little bit different. But just to give it to you in a general sense, um, it could be that an attorney or party drafts a letter, requests the records, and they have an appropriate release to get the records. So a party can normally sign a release to get their own records. But the quandary is, you know, a party can't sign a release to get somebody else's records, right? So, you know, a party can get their own records. Maybe they can get their own kids' records, but they can't get the other party's records in most instances. But regardless, way one is to send a letter with a release. You know, way two could be a party goes up in person to a business to try to get copies of these records. Again, they've got the release. They try to get the records. Again, the trick is this, is a party can typically request their own records. 
They might be able to request their kids' records, but they're not going to be able to request the other party's records by going up in person, right? So, again, this could be applicable in some cases or not. Uh, one of the most common ways uh, these records are obtained in a divorce or family law matter is through the use of a subpoena, and we call this a subpoena ducus tecum. So the subpoena uh, lists the records that are sought, uh, if there's an authorization needed, it's, it's supplied. If the party has the authority to sign it, and oftentimes attached to the subpoena is what's called a blank custodian of records affidavit. And then there's a notice of deposition. And typ typically the way this works is um, if, the, if the company, the business, supplies the records with the accompanying affidavit and it's signed by a notary, then typically they don't show up to this deposition at all and the records are turned over, and that's the end of the matter. Now, keep in mind, in some cases, the other party might object to the subpoena, right? They could file what's called a motion to quash, which is just a, an objection to all or part of the subpoena and the documents requested. And in that case, typically the records don't go out until the judge rules on the motion to quash. Um, it could be that a party requests a protective order, and the protective order can vary, obviously, in the, in the, in the breadth and the scope, but typically... It prevents the release of these records to individuals who are not part of these proceedings, um, who are not the parties, who are not experts or consultants or others retained as part of these proceedings, and it prevents the release of these records, you know, in other litigation or in other, other forms or other venues, okay? And again, the a court typically has to rule on the protective order before the records themselves are released. All right, so, so that's kind of it in a nutshell in terms of what a business records affidavit is. It's an affidavit attached to the records. Uh, it's signed by a custodian of records who's a representative of the company who maintains the records, and they sign it indicating the records are truthful, authentic, and accurate or whatnot. And again, the custodian of records um, it, it, the company might not be the person who prepared the records, uh, they might not even have first-hand knowledge of the records themselves, but they, in a general sense, maintain these records, assemble these records, and, could, and can certainly attest that they're made in the ordinary course of business and that they're truthful and accurate to the best of their knowledge, okay? Um, in terms of admission to court, how does that work? Well, look, there's two ways to get business records admitted into court, all right? So without an affidavit, what happens is, uh, the custodian of records typically has to come into court and, and testify. And, and the custodi custodian of records would testify that the records are truthful, accurate, authentic, that they're made in the ordinary course of business, etc. Okay, so that would be way one. But the downsides of this is most custodian of records don't want to have to take off from work to go into court and testify to these things, right? Most custodian of records are busy. The last place they want to be is in a courtroom or being deposed about the records themselves. Um, and, and so, again, that's the advantage of the affidavit. With the affidavit, uh, typically this will negate the need for this custodian of records to testify in court or have to go to deposition or whatnot because they've supplied supplied the affidavit uh, with the records themselves. And again, in, in, in terms of when you know somebody gets the records with the affidavit, uh, the rules and the statutes can vary by state and different localities can have different rules and deadlines. But in terms of Missouri, where I predominantly practice, typically if the records are given to the other side or the other attorney, uh, at least seven days in advance of trial, and if there's no objection to the records, then typically the records are just admitted uh, into court. Uh, but again, sometimes the other side might object, 
And again, a lot of the objections could maybe mirror the motion to quash objections, you know, and it could be based on uh, relevance or, you know, various other objections that might be out there as well. Um, but again, the, the beauty of the affidavit and the why the reason most attorneys are seeking the business records affidavit is uh, is the ease into getting the records into court and, and it's a lack of a hassle for the custodian of records to have to come to court and obviously this can take a lot of the court's time so courts typically you know prefer the records coming if there's no objections with affidavits because you know it just takes time to have a custodian of records sworn in and, and it's a hassle for them to have to testify and and then obviously not be at work doing their normal job all right now look some parties might say why do we need affidavits at all why does a custodian of records have to come in if there's not an affidavit why can't the records just be admitted and in, in terms of what i've seen i've seen lots of parties who have piecemeal versions of these records. They might have some report cards, but they don't have all the school records. Uh, they could have some portions of medical records, but not the complete, you know, the, the complete set of medical records uh, of an individual. You know, they could have some uh, credit card statements, but not all of them. Uh, same for investment accounts or bank accounts or whatever. But look, a lot of parties want to hand their attorneys piecemeal versions of documents and say, why can't we just admit these? Why do we need to get complete sets of records with affidavits or have custodian of records come in? I mean, that's costly, time consuming, and it seems like a hassle. So why do we have to do it? Well, look, this is granular again, and this is in the weeds, as I talked about at the beginning. But the reason is there's rules of evidence in a courtroom. You know, for a judge to be able to view records, rely on records, and drafting judgments, uh, the records have to be admitted into court. And, and the reality is, without an affidavit or without a custodian of records coming into court, typically these records are, are called hearsay. I mean, hearsay or statements outside of court offered for the truth of the matter asserted, which is, again, really granular. And, and, and lawyers certainly understand what that means, or at least most do. But most lay people don't, but the truth is without the affidavit or without the custodian of records, uh, it's hearsay. And so unless the other attorney consents to the admission of the records, they're not coming in. So, uh, you know, lots of parties, you know, while they have these piecemeal versions of the documents, they have to understand there's just no way to authenticate the truthfulness or the accuracy of the business records themselves without the affidavit, without the custodian of record coming into court. So, again, the topic is what are business records, affidavits, and divorce and family law matters? Again, simple affidavit that's attached to the front of the documents you know, typically signed in front of a notary by the custodian of records indicating that the records are truthful and accurate. And if this is signed, then typically the records come in. And again, this can look like a monotonous kind of affair on the part of a client. And they might think, gosh, this seems really nuanced and there's not really a reason for it. But this is part of the formal court process. And in most instances, it is necessary to have that affidavit or to have the custodian of records come in. Obviously, though, check with a lawyer who's competent and licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. But I thought this was an interesting topic to cover because I think a lot of individuals, when they see this, are lost in, in what's the purpose of this and why does this have to happen? And does my attorney really need to do this? And I'd say in most instances, yeah, if the records are important and they want to get them in, the safe thing to do is have that, have that custodian of records affidavit, all right? So that's the topic to 
today is a follow-up to the episode today. Go on over to FamilyLawHeadquarters.com. Check out our article again, and it's called What is a Business Records Affidavit? The date is September 26, 2023. You can read that as a follow-up to the episode today. But thanks for tuning into Family Law Talk today. Stay tuned to our next episode coming up. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stangy. Visit StangyLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtained in this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. You should consult an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. Past results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stangy is responsible for the content. Headquarters, Office 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri 63105. Kirk Stangy is licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Kansas.